Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I am your host, Duncan McPherson. On this podcast, our objective is always to enable our audience, these are high-performing, working fee-for-service professionals, to always be working on their business and on themselves, personally and professionally. And on today's podcast, I had a great conversation with Jackie Wilkie, who is an emerging thought leader in the areas of best practices, specifically in the area of what we would call the future-focused competitive edge. Okay, so that's how to attract and keep generational wealth and create professional contrast in the process. If you like this podcast, please like and share and tell your colleagues. And if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear on this podcast down the road, let us know. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Always On podcast. Very excited to have an emerging thought leader in the financial services industry, an integral part of the practice management department at First Trust Portfolios, the creator of Insights and Innovations, which is essential reading. And I'll let Jackie talk more about that in a moment. But Jackie Wilkie, no, first of all, nobody has been better prepared for a podcast ever than you. I mean, you just buried me in unbelievable information and content and structure. And again, nobody has more depth and breadth in terms of how to master family dynamics. So very excited that you're here and we're going to cover a lot of ground. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I've known you for several years, but it seems like you found another gear in the last couple of years and your relevance has skyrocketed. Now, first of all, for everybody, if you are on LinkedIn, you absolutely have to connect with Jackie. So just look for her on LinkedIn. I think you might be busier on LinkedIn than I am. And your content is always incredibly timely and actionable. It's not noise. So way to go. Thanks. I appreciate that. Just like you and like the advisors that listen to this podcast, the theme is personal development, professional development always. And I found for the pandemic, whenever we're faced with disruption as humans, we have three options, fight, flight, or freeze. And so time not being on the road meant more time to create content and play around with some different channels. So it's it's been an incredible ride. And it's been really fun to interact with folks like yourself, other thought leaders in the industry that I've looked up to for so long, and just build some other levels of how we can add value to advisors and teams across the industry. Yeah, well said. And you really seize the opportunity to develop your own personal brand and reputation And now I'd have to say that you're more in demand for speaking engagements and direct advisor coaching than ever before. Is that safe to say? It is. And it's interesting, just like you see with your business and like we we advocate to advisors, encourage them to do, to create content, to focus on thought leadership and to put yourself out there because it does drive demand back to your business. And I've seen it, you've seen it, we see our advisors see it in their own businesses. So it's it's pretty incredible, this environment that we're in. Yeah. Tremendous opportunities for sure. Interesting that you mentioned this this notion of content marketing, because I do want to get into this. I've got my pen handy because I know I'm going to get as much out of this as anybody. But I started off with a theme of achieve mastery of family dynamics. And then you came back with some sort of supplements to that because you talked about families and next gen growing through generations of wealth or the future focused competitive edge, attracting and retaining generational wealth. It's all interconnected, obviously, but it's thematically, it's all very powerful. So just very briefly, how did you arrive into this niche as your expertise? Yeah. So I'll go broad first. For anyone that's listening to the podcast that isn't familiar with First Trust, we are on the asset management side of things. So ETFs, investment trust, structured products, and separate accounts. Our whole focus is the financial professional and the teams and the clients that they serve. So um, the head of our team, Chris Jefferson, our chief of advisory practices, you had him on for your first podcast. I know you guys go way back. You co-authored the advisor playbook together. So he looked at what advisors needed six, seven years ago and realized that we wanted to have more support for the advisor at First Trust 
in working on their business. So he's been building out our team. We now have five individuals on our team and the depth and breadth, the resources that we have in helping advisors with business development and practice management, taking advantage of opportunities, overcoming obstacles. That has been a core part of what we've been focused on as a firm. So I got recruited over about six years ago, time's flying. I have my 11th year anniversary in February, which is crazy. So I got recruited over about six years ago and the goal was, okay, look at the marketplace. Where do we have resources and expertise already? Where is you know, the puck going? How do we skate to where the puck's going? I know you guys aren't big with hockey up there in Canada. So I hope you understand that analogy. And honestly, the puck was going to building out more resources for advisors to help them with these demographics of investors that are building wealth, inheriting wealth, and passing on wealth. So women investors, the next generation of affluent individual, and working with clients, multi-generational families, both for retention, as well as tapping into growth opportunities. So it's it's been pretty incredible. And like yourself, we're in unique situations where we get to see what the best in the business do every single day. I like to say that one of the things I get to do is study success. And then translate that into repeatable processes, best practices, actionable ideas for other individuals and teams. So a lot of that has been unfocused on individuals and teams that are are working across multiple generations, building multiple generational businesses, serving multi-generational families, because there is a lot of interconnection right now uh, in this world that we're in. You probably saw me perk up when you said hockey. I mean, somebody from Minnesota, Chicago... (laughs) Detroit. I mean, they're almost Canadian as far as we're concerned. And uh, fun fact, you probably know this, but not everybody does that. uh, A lot of people attribute that quote to Wayne Gretzky, but it was actually his dad who told Wayne that that's what you need to do. And he he brought that to life. And I'm very fortunate to have uh, seen him play live many times. And uh, it was very, very special. It's funny this morning, little huddle, water cooler talk. We were talking about Bobby Orr at length. So yeah, hockey for sure, trajectory, where the puck is going. I love the analogy because that's what being a goals-based lifelong planner is all about, is looking down the road. And and I I don't want to uh, trivialize the fact that you are a serious student. Uh, You don't come to any of this with theory or untested ideas. You are a consolidator of best practices and you put your own flair on them, which is terrific. But this, this niche about where the puck is going, money in motion, suddenly affluent families, you have this expression that I love, more money, more problems, which is not always the case, but it's often the case. And that manufactures some needs that the advisor and his or her team can address that, that add to sort of the bedside manner dynamic, the X factor because it's above and beyond what a client would normally expect from a financial professional. So anyway, let's get into this. So I'm going to follow that structure, that framework of SNB, okay? And, And you outlined your talking points in that too. So subject, need, ideas, and benefit, or in this case, benefits. That is a great mindset to apply to any content development, the, the subject is the hook. That's what gets someone's attention. The need helps them understand why it's relevant to them. The ideas help them translate it into results. And the benefits gives them that beacon to focus on that that's what this is going to all do. So um, I'm glad you're into that. So let's talk about multi-generation, the subject. Let's talk about what that creates in terms of opportunity. The, the multifamily office, the family tree, what are some of the most common ways that a financial advisor, financial professional has made himself or herself indispensable to a family? And, and what was the bridge to get there? So that's a great question. It's interesting when we talk about multi-generational families, next gens, engaging across the family. One of the things that I think our industry got a little too excited about was associating next gen with the millennial generation. And while it's important to diversify generationally, of course, the ages of our top clients, if we're future-focused, growth-minded, what we have to also think about is where do our existing clients fall? And so for many financial professionals and teams, their existing clients skew older. So that 
80-year-old client, their next gen is 50 and 60. And if you, uh, and I know you and your team do this a lot with financial professionals and teams, is helping them define who is your ideal client. And for many of them, they would say, well, it's someone in their 50s, 60s, right? Maybe they're a business owner, they're moving into retirement, they're an equity compensated executive, whomever that individual is that they want to work with. Oftentimes, that's someone tied to our clients already. Or if you do work with that second generation, there's opportunity for growth horizontally in the family tree, even up the family tree. And for the uh, the folks listening to this podcast, that's one of my favorite questions whenever I'm speaking these days is, how many of you have onboarded a client's family member that's not in a, a generation below them? And you see a lot of hands go up because, you know, it's a terrible pun, but there's a lot of low-hanging fruit in that family tree. Um, so one of the processes that I coach individuals and teams on the most, it's called the family phone call. And if anybody listening is curious about what that process looks like, accessing that resource, uh, your first trust wholesaler is your uh, your starting point for that. But the goal of this phone call, and it was designed by a team out West that manages about $3 billion, work with 100 households, it really shakes out to about 300 relationships generationally in that family. The goal of the call is twofold. On one hand, they want a warm, proactive introduction to the people most important to their clients before a wealth transfer ever happens. Because oftentimes, if it is a generational wealth transfer and wealth is transferred down and those kids are 50 and 60, and that's when the financial professionals call them, well, what's the message they hear? Hey, we care about you now. Now that you have the money, that person's built wealth. They might have experienced a liquidity event in their own right they probably have a team. That's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. So it's to, to bridge that gap before wealth is transferred. Or if you do have that younger client, to get an introduction to the other people they're tied to. One of our teams in Arizona, they recently onboarded a client's parents. Mom and dad had a $6 million account sitting at Vanguard, thought they had an advisor, but it wasn't the case. So just creating that professional contrast that you always talk about that gave them an opportunity to showcase how their experience was different. But it also gives a financial professional team a look under the hood, right? A look under the hood of family dynamics. Are there folks in this family tree that maybe we wouldn't want to work with or not a good fit for our business? And then they can better identify what are the services, the resources, the elements of their client experience that they can really highlight that creates a sticky relationship with that generational family, right? Whether it's bringing someone on that specializes in tax planning, having someone on their team dedicated to giving, charity, philanthropy, people that are focused on planning, putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. And I'm sure you're seeing this. We even see teams building out profession or building out specialists that focus on health and wellness. I know you just had your podcast on health and wellness. That's so critical. Having people that are specialists in kind of one-off requests, like private aviation, for example, and even getting into unique investment opportunities, private equity, VC, the things that investors can't necessarily get on their own. So kind of a, a long-winded answer, <laughs> but you know, I get so excited talking about this because it, it's really incredible. It is so interesting as clients are getting older or as younger investors are building significant wealth, how financial professionals and teams are creating value that's truly relevant to these investors. Wow, you covered a lot of ground there and it's very good. And, and I know on LinkedIn, you encapsulate these best practices very, very efficiently, including that family phone call. And what I love is that it, it, is, it is positioned as a service to the family. It's not pitched. It doesn't feel like a wallet share type initiative. It is value added that a family values. And what I what I really it it just occurred to me as you're talking about the confluence. So you think about the typical ideal client for a lot of advisors is, you know, sometimes these advisors talk in terms of minimums. So it's like a two million dollar client, and that would be the Henry, right? The high earner in the prime of their lives, but they're not rich yet. But they're tracking in the direction of a liquidity event at some point. And the confluence is, is when up the family tree, a parent, parents, family members up there, 
There could be an inheritance. But in the meantime, and it's very revealing about the quality of that client, when they start talking about their parents or up to the next generation in the family tree, in not in terms of the opportunity, the inevitable sort of entitlement to the inheritance, but we're talking about when they're talking about caring for these people, they're like my favorite key key performance indicator is when an advisor onboards a $2 million client who's 52 years old, they are in their stride. And during the fit or early in the onboard, that client says, you know what? You got to talk to my dad. He's retired. There's little flickers of decline. I'm starting to look down the road at where that's going. And I think he would be in better hands with you than that current provider. That's so incredibly powerful. And that's what, that's what comes out of this, right? That, that type of initiative of, of demonstrating that care and that value add, right? Absolutely. And when you get into family dynamics, it can be very complicated, right? Sometimes wealth is going to skip a generation because of some complicated dynamics between Gen 1 and Gen 2. Sometimes the second generation is the wealth creator. So how am I, to your point, going to look at this as a tool to care for the people around me, mainly going up the family tree? I, gosh, I think that topic, just for financial professionals and teams out there, if you aren't doing webinars or educational seminars on how to care for aging parents, I think you're missing a huge opportunity right there. Because like statistically, we see we even see folks in their 30s and 40s concerned about this. And again, to your point earlier, like the family phone call, as long as you always make what you're doing a value add to your clients, right? It's a give. It's not an ask. It's not about you as a financial professional. It's how is this adding value to them? These complicated conversations or sometimes uncomfortable conversations go a lot smoother, right? They're received a lot differently than to your point, hey, I want greater wallet share, I want asset consolidation. Well, and I, we've got a whole component on content marketing. And I know you saw Tom Dean's podcast that we did. The really enlightened advisor brings in a third party to ask those tough questions, to provoke the conversation, even if it's controversial or, or the client's been kicking the can down the road. And, and then that subject matter expert points to the advisor as the person to do that fulfillment. But I want to get to that in a second because there's so much uh, there as well. I, but you, you made a point about complexity, which is so key because I have heard many stories where that sweet spot client, the one who's tracking towards from being a two to a five to a $15 million client and beyond, sometimes advisors have an aversion to going below the, the next gen below on the family tree because of dilution and hassle factor and compatibility. And sometimes they have an aversion to going up the tree because of concerns about erosion of wealth and, and some of the complexities. Is there anything you can do to demystify some of that and basically make it non-optional that for the enlightened fee-worthy advisor, they have to engage and make the family dynamic part of their process? Thoughts on that? So I think there's a couple things to consider in this, this element to your business. So one I think you have to consider, is this an existing client? Is this a new client, right? If it's an existing client, how do we introduce this to them now? And I think that given the last two years, using this situation, the disruption we've all experienced as this is why this is a priority now. Now, as part of our process, we're shifting to add these services, add these resources, have these conversations. I think that's a great way to introduce it. If it's a new client, you make it part of your fit process, right? Uh, from the beginning, you're already communicating that this isn't just going to be about you. This is going to be about you and the people most important to you. But I think, and you are so good at this. Tom Dean's mentioned this and Chris Jefferson's so good at this. Telling stories, using social proof for why your, your clients or prospects should prioritize this. We've, we've both heard the story from the advisor that the first time they met the adult kids was at the receiving line at the funeral. 
Once they're in that position, they never want to be in that position again. Or sharing a story about, gosh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I was thinking about you the other day. I was having this conversation with some of our other families, just like yours, and and we had this really fantastic family meeting. We went out to a new restaurant. uh, We did a cooking class. We did something fun. Then we went through a couple different things about estate planning, right? Just an example. And weaving it into why or helping your clients see themselves as a beneficiary of doing the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up another important point. And you've seen this too, I'm sure. I've been doing this for a long time. And I've got clients who have told me that, like I, I, I've had clients have to, have to postpone a consultation because they were asked to attend a funeral or invited to attend a wedding. And it's not an anomaly. It's not a one-off. They're so indispensable to the family that this is a massive part of their yearly schedule that they like, and I know you can't plan for everything, parties and some of the unfortunate events, but it's such a powerful qualitative indication about how deep they've gone into the family. But I think the advisors that get it really do, as you mentioned, view it as a calling. It's not a job. This is something that they were, in Jim Bowen's words, the noble profession. This is, this is just what it takes. So that's, that's profound. I talked to an advisor a couple of days ago. So you talk, and we're going to get to the content in a second, but you talk about aging parents and some of those developing needs. I know you're a big proponent of the mindset of, okay, put equal emphasis on practice, process, and people. And the advisor we were speaking to a couple of days ago is now starting to add in elements where they are bringing in subject matter experts around the psychological aspects of becoming suddenly affluent and the impact that can have both in terms of examples of greatness and warnings of, of potential minefields. And that is powerful because it doesn't occur to a lot of people that that is an issue that's developing. Have you seen that as well? Yes. And to your point, if you truly want to solidify your role as the family's financial professional, their first phone call, you have to go so much deeper than money, right? If all your clients think you do is invest their money, well, they can do that on their own in a lot of ways, right? You have to make your value so much bigger and so much deeper. And one of the ways to do that is to have conversations about stewardship of wealth, habits, values, priorities, preferences, because oftentimes it's a powerful question. If you ask you know, investors, what was money like growing up? That is going to explain a lot of their habits their values, their priorities. And the same goes for them if they're passing wealth. Oftentimes, one of the obstacles that many advisors face in getting a warm, proactive introduction to those next generations is clients don't want the kids to know how much money they have. Well, why is that? Well, they're worried about stewardship of wealth. They're worried that if the kids, the grandkids knew, it would be negative, right? And how they see, view money, and then how they act as a, as a result. So having these conversations, bringing in third-party experts, I think that's phenomenal. We have a worksheet from one of our teams where they turned wealth into an acronym, wisdom, exchanges, affluence, legacy, time, health. And it's just a simple worksheet, but it's one of their tools to help understand their clients, a couple, a family, what makes you feel rich. And coming from this idea that wealth, what makes us feel rich is so much more than just dollars and cents, zeros in our bank accounts. It's, it's form, right? It's all of the things that money is a springboard. Money is a tool that allows us to take time to work out, that allows us to give to charities and philanthropies that are important to us, that allows us to take the family vacation where we're going to have memories and experiences that last a lifetime. Because you, you know, we're both spending so much time helping financial professionals establish that professional contrast. And it's the, the rich or high net worth or affluent. I mean, that's very, very common, you know, jargon 
way back when in the day, I had a very substantial advisor, one of the most substantial I'd met to that point, who corrects clients very diplomatically and as well as his kids. And he goes, my definition of rich is very different than what's accepted as a norm in the world. When it comes to money, the goal is financial independence, the ability to live off the income of your own resources. You're not at the mercy of everything. And you get to go to work because you want to, not because you have to. That is one of the goals in becoming rich, but there's so much more to it. That hit me like a ton of bricks, because if you think about self-actualization, you think about the best version of, of oneself. I've met some rich jerks. They don't think like that. And they're not somebody you want to be around. But the, the really enlightened people, they, they figured it out around what money does, what it can do. One point I just want to drive home there that you bring up is as financial professionals and teams bridge generations, especially going younger, right? With millennials, Gen Z and beyond, that conversation, asking them, how do your values, priorities, preferences, purpose? right? Understanding what that is to that individual and then backing wealth management, financial planning as a solution to help that. That is a very important conversation to be having. Asking the individual, how do you want your money to impact you, the world around you? Is it what we do invest in, what we don't invest in? But that was just one point I wanted to make there that you bring up is this is going to be a bigger focus in attracting younger investors having a conversation, asking questions proactively of how values and purpose are tied to what they want to do with their money. Well, then I'm just going to jump ahead to this next point based on that comment, because that you just defined what I would consider to be the bedside manner of the enlightened financial professional. So in my life, I've interacted with many accountants, the ones who stand out are not the ones that have this incredible technical ability. A couple that have stood out for me are ones that have an exceptional sense of humor. It's just not expected. When I think about lawyers, you can feel it when you're meeting with a lawyer, when he or she's a clock watcher and trying to drag out meetings and build you a clock instead of tell you what time it is versus those that are really attentive and relaxed it's qualitative. It's hard to put your finger on, but you can feel it. A doctor, you can feel when you walk into a doctor's office, he starts thinking about you when he pulls the clipboard down and stops thinking about you when he walks out the door and puts it back in the tray. Where other doctors are interested in your life and they make comments about what they recall from the previous conversation it's just so profound. So that's what you're talking about with a financial professional. It's not just what I can do for a client and addressing a specific issue. It's how I feel about being there, being in your presence and the impact it can have on a client's life. And I, I think in the spirit of the art and science of the financial professional, that's what exceeds expectations and is memorable. And that's what you're hitting on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I One of my core kind of quotes in life or something that I always try to live by is people forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. The Maya Angelou quote, and that's what experiences are. And the experience is everything. In this world where access to the market's been commoditized, there are a lot of pretty incredible, sophisticated robo-solutions out there or hybrid solutions. What makes an investor work with a financial professional? Well, you know, it's that people component. At some level, they value a human-to-human relationship. And for your clients, especially as we move upstream, more and more affluence, oftentimes they trust you, right? They outsource you. They know you're going to do a good job for them. But what keeps them engaged, what keeps them wanting to work with you, they just want to feel the love, right? They just want to feel important. And those little things that you do, you know, whether it is having deep, meaningful family conversations, having these processes that are so incredible and helping them accomplish their goals. But then also, are we having fun? Do they enjoy the experience of working with you? One of our teams at East, they define their ideal client as PLUs, people like us. 
Because if we're having a good time, they're having a good time. And that's what people talk about. People talk about the experience, right? The experiences that restaurant you went to and the experience could be positive or negative. So we have to get hyper-focused, obsessed almost with our client experience because our existing clients are often tied to people we'd like referrals and introductions to. So if they can't help but talk about us, or if we're sending a, a bottle of wine for their anniversary, we're sending a gift for their daughter's wedding, we're sending something for their son going off to college, we're always, you know, even if we're out of sight, we're never out of mind. They're never out of mind for us. And that's what they talk about. It's almost like subliminal marketing, right? When your clients don't even know that they're talking about you. I've in my life lived by sort of creativity is my ability to conceal my sources. And you just became a source as a conduit with that client because I just took something. So you know how we talk about the ideal client being a triple A client. Well, I'm going to change that to triple A plus. Okay. So they're triple A alignment of assets, attitudinal compatibility, advocacy, but the plus, the plus people like us, triple A plus it's gold. So I'm giving you credit right now, but I'm sure it'll become my idea sometime down the road. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, heard it here first. This <laughs> will be my proof. A customized podcast can add credibility and efficiency to your communication efforts. Sifting good prospects from the mass of suspects, staying top of mind with strategic partners, and activating more advocacy from existing clients can be achieved with a turnkey approach. Learn more at proudmouth.com. Do you aspire to consistently attract and keep great clients while driving the enterprise value of your business? Do you want to achieve professional contrast by supplementing your technical ability with a consistent client experience? driven by best practices? The Blue Square Toolkit brings the proven Pareto Systems philosophy and process to life in a way that tethers your team so that you can competitor-proof your clients, gain their full empowerment, and attract quality referrals, all while restoring liberation and order in your life, and all in an intuitive, easy-to-use turnkey solution. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com to get your 14-day free trial today. So let's spend just a moment on ideal client because I've been working on something and I, I haven't figured this out entirely. So there's two types of entrepreneurs and for many financial professionals, their ideal client is an entrepreneur. But I'm, I'm trying to identify that client that really, really appreciates the bedside manner, that 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 X factor value add. So <clears throat> two types of entrepreneurs. There's those that execute beautifully. Okay, so I know somebody who's financially independent, had a porta potty business. Not complex, but execution, flawless, financially independent. I know somebody else who's a broker of fruit and vegetables. So nothing proprietary. He's a broker of somebody else's stuff that was grown. But the fact that he, the execution, flawless. And their top line and bottom line, incredible. With thin margins, financially independent. And I'm, I'm talking about this because when I read The Millionaire Next Door, he talked about the, the subtle, understated wealth, blue collar, owner of a plumbing supply company, owner of an HVAC company, could be an auctioneer, no razzle-dazzle, very straightforward, under the radar, slowly, methodically became affluent. And I'm only bringing this up because a financial professional is not a bricks and mortar entrepreneur. There's so much abstract. There's so much of an artisan that goes into that. And I'm trying to determine, in addition to great execution, is the innovation. Entrepreneurs that are innovative, that create something that's proprietary, it's harder to do that than just execute. It's hard to execute and innovate. And I'm saying that because <clears throat> I had a friend a long time ago uh, when I was stumbling around 
He said, look, it doesn't have to be hard to become affluent. It doesn't have to be hard. And he had something that was very rudimentary. And I said, dude, that doesn't do it for me. It does it for you, but I need to create something. And he said, well, good luck because you're going to have some serious problems. My, my point is, and my question for you, based on what you've seen, does the person who innovates and execute have a deeper appreciation for the X factor, do you think, or does it not matter? Oh, that's a tough question. And I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have an opinion on it. I think the thing that I would say is, because you're talking about from a client perspective, right? A, a financial professional focused on the entrepreneur that is innovative as well as good at executing, right? Do they appreciate other things more? And, you know, I don't know if it's so much the entrepreneur defining them by the innovator, the executor, or the com- combination of both. But, you know, I think it goes back to what you garner from deep discovery conversations and collecting little nuggets of information. Because if we deliver value in exchange, what we want from our target audience is access to them and we want their attention, right? If we deliver value, just like people listening to this podcast, we hope if you listen to this, give us your time and attention, you get value out of it. And value is in the eyes of the beholder. Someone who's the CIO for an RAA, they're not going to get that much out of our podcast. We're not talking about where the market's going, uh, economic insight and commentary. So I think it's more about that individual prospect or uh, what I like to call a one to some, an audience that has something in common. Talk to them, be highly relevant to them, and then just keep playing it back to them. And that's where the content shines through is what, what adds value to your target market. So answering frequently asked questions. I think one of the biggest is people don't know what they don't know, especially entrepreneurs, whether they're innovators or executors or the combination, they're really great at what they do, clearly. But when it comes to all these other things, and I think your conversation with Tom Deans really highlighted this too, is for most other things, they don't know what they don't know. So being very clear about how working with you is highly relevant, adds incredible value to them. Well, great. I'm going to bring you on on my team. And the one thing I will say, if you are focused on that person who does enjoy the experience, right? They love that you take them and their wife out to dinner. You do the cooking class with their their adult children, right? Whatever it is, making sure that the other things that you do are never hidden, so to speak. Like one of the things we're talking about is that client that does have a liquidity event, moves upstream in affluence, making sure that it's very clear for them that if your situation changes, there's more complexity, more money. uh, So you have a need for more services and resources. We've already got that covered. You don't need it right now because of where you're at, but here is our list of everything that we can do in there. Uh, There's one firm here in Chicago in particular, they've branded it as family office services. So in addition to everything else that we're going to do, you're going to have an incredible experience with us. These are the nuts and bolts, kind of how the watch is made. If you ever need this kind of service, we've got you covered. Okay. Well, and and we're just about, we're we're going a little long, which is okay because we're just about on the verge of this content marketing and getting into some ideas and benefits to wrap up. But I I just want to come back to that last sort of ramble I had there because this is me trying to understand the alignment. So you have a client that understands the art and science, right? They're promoting the promise of the future, lifelong planners, but we have this bedside manner and we want clients to appreciate it. So there's got to be an alignment of interest there. My point is, I remember an advisor, and this doesn't go too far back, but he was getting some traction in the engineering space. And he thought, wow, look at the commonalities. A lot of these people have engineering firms. They're very affluent. So he started onboarding engineering clients. Instant acceptance remorse. Because he said, nobody is a bigger pain in the name your body part than an engineer, the micromanaging, the questioning, the hassle factor. So he basically said, no more engineers. And then he got introduced to another engineer. And the difference was with this engineer is that this engineer not only had an engineering firm and was affluent, but he actually invented something. Patented, uh, home run, but the amount of failure that led up to that was immense impact on the family, impact on his health, 
all kinds of things. But then he finally grit, didn't give up, overcame adversity, boom, out of the park. And the advisor said, that guy is a joy to work with because nobody respects me or appreciates my value and what I do for him and his family, nobody than him. So that's what I'm trying to figure out if innovation and execution as the ideal client is a factor. And because ultimately I say to the advisor, you're not transacting, you're not trading time for money, you're building a business and you have intellectual property that we want your clients to lock in on and say, you know what? It's not even close. You are so far superior based on your client experience, based on the way you manage our family and our relationships. It's not even close. That's what I'm trying to figure out if there's a there there. So we'll do another webinar and maybe revisit that later on, but let's get to the punchline here and talk about some content marketing ideas. And, and I actually refer to some of this as content marketing and branding ideas because the addressable audience isn't just prospective clients. It's stirring the pot with existing relationships to rejuvenate that. Even if they don't consume that information, that content, just receiving it triggers a, a moment of recognition and appreciation for the relationship. So I've got a couple of things I want to run by you, but in addition to the family phone call, as an initiative, do you have any other ideas that come to mind that people can consider adding into their uh, approach going forward? Specifically around engaging existing clients' families or? Using content to stir the pot. So not a pitch, no salesmanship. It's, hey, here's some information that will, will make a connection for you to appreciate me as a financial professional. Sure. So I think with existing clients, the goal of your content is one of two things. It's client engagement, or it's to activate your clients as sources of more referrals and introductions. So if it's client engagement, it's something uh, that's regular, right? It's high visibility, it's scalable, that's your newsletter, where you're never out of sight, you're never out of mind, even if your clients don't read the newsletter that week, they got something from you. So they're never questioning what you're doing. Are you on the golf course a little too much? you're always working for them. Even if you sent the newsletter from the golf course, technology is a beautiful thing. So if it's client engagement, we want visibility and then we want to go personalized for uh, specific clients. So content that, hey, yeah, you are, you are getting into a certain life phase. It's time to have the family phone call for us to engage you or engage the people most important to them, be a resource for them, right? It comes from a place of give. The other thing, and I, I love this, and I'm seeing more and more of this, is for teams and individuals that want to go deeper into a niche or target market, going through their existing clients to tap into their personal and professional networks. Because sure, you could go put on a seminar, hope people show up, have very cold introductions, but why wouldn't we go through our existing clients? They're your biggest fans. Like you say, they're your advocates. So their personal and professional networks probably someone in there fits your niche or target market. So using content as the thing for them to give to a specific market. One of the pieces we have is a checklist from one of our teams in Sarasota, Florida. One side is for widows. The other side is for divorcees. So the, the thought process or the process behind this, and it could be applied to so many target markets, is a team in Sarasota they wanted to go deeper into uh, women that were going through this life transition. They had several clients that they brought on, loved working with those clients. They wanted more of them. So they went to their existing clients and, you know, it's a sensitive topic. So they didn't necessarily share the checklist with everyone, but they said, Hey, you know, we work with clients from all walks of life, but we do have a particular expertise in helping women go through one of these life transitions. This checklist is the same checklist we take those clients through. And we thought, gosh, you know, if there's someone in our client's lives that might be going through it, hey, hopefully this will help. So it's a give, right? It's not an ask. It's not if your client or if your friends and family are, are losing a loved one, send them my way. It adds value. But your clients can be much more uh, strategic in who they share it with because if someone in their life isn't going through that transition, they'll never see the checklist. And the idea is this content relevant to a target market. It's timeless in the sense that they don't have to get it updated by compliance every six months, but it's timely. There's a trigger when someone might receive it and it just fills their prospect pipeline. 
clients, best friends, neighbors, daughters, mothers, maybe dads passing away. And then the team in Sarasota just gets to sift through who is a good fit for us, who are we going to onboard, who do we just help because they're important to our client. So that's my roundabout answer for when it comes to content for existing clients where they're trying to engage clients or activate them as better referrers and introducers. Yeah, that conversion from client to advocate. And sometimes they just need content as a bridge where they consume the information and think, this is awesome. I got to send this to my brother or I got to send this to my business partner because it's just so subtle and it's it's stewardship, it's law of attraction, all of that. And you just have to be at peace with what it does, but just keep consistent. One, one that I really like, and I started doing this a long time ago, I started noticing some of our clients as financial professionals were pretty avid readers. And I said, well, that's fine and good. But what I want you to do every quarter is look at your reading list based on form, like read books around family, read books around occupation and business, read books around interests around recreation, and of course, read books around money. But create an executive summary once a quarter of a book you read. Take a 400-page book down to two pages. Okay, so okay, th- so the advisor reads the book in Title Mania about how a lot of first-generation affluence just makes it easy on the next generation, and there's consequences. And the advisor writes a two-page summary of that and says, wow, this was an eye-opener for me. And uh, fortunately, the book also talks about how to undo some of this because I am guilty. So it wasn't a lecture, but he, then it's capped off by saying, just thought you'd be interested. Or the client, to your point about very specific, a lot of business owners. So the advisor says, I want to, it's not a practice, it's a business. I want to strengthen my business. So I just read the e-myth and I, two pages of absolute gold sound bites. I thought I'd send this along to you. And on it goes, the the checklist, right? The top 10 most popular travel destinations of my clients. I pulled my clients. These are the top 10 thought you'd be interested, has nothing to do with money and economics. Save that for Brian Westbury and the crew. It's just it's just so powerful. And you mentioned Tom Deans. Tom Deans, in his, in his presentations to clients of financial advisors, it's one thing to invite them to the event, but record the event and then send it out to clients who couldn't go and say, did you miss it? Or did you go and wish there was a friend there who could have been there? Well, we got it recorded. Here's the next best thing. Or I put a top 10 list of the most powerful salient points that Tom covered. And I thought I'd like to share that. And I think you make such a great point with these examples where mix up your content, right? Oftentimes, it's the things that are outside the money, have nothing to do with the markets, the economy that create bonds. I mean, I loved it. It seemed like everyone during the pandemic got a dog and the individuals and teams that were sharing the picture of the new chief morale officer with a picture of someone's new dog with their clients or babies or weddings or life events, whatever it is. If, if you're hosting a uh, drive for a charity or philanthropy, share that. It's kind of that. Those are the things that connect us human to human build deeper relationships. And those are often the things that I like to think of as building in public. Don't be your best kept secret. Share what you're doing because again, that gives someone an insight, you know, peek behind the curtain of what it's like to work with you. Who are the people behind uh, the name on the door? You know, what's funny about that. I said to an advisor a couple of weeks ago, I said, what's your biggest, like absolute gem of a marketing initiative? And he said, he started chuckling and he said, oh, it was unreal. I had no expectations, but we did a shredding event in our parking lot and it was a beehive. Clients and family members, neighbors, the truck was humming like for hours. We had a little barbecue. It was incredible. I said, really? I said, when'd you do that? And he goes, oh, that must have been like seven years ago. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so just a one and done. And it was so good. You stopped doing it. Why not annually? And just turn it into an event. Another thing, because uh, a lot of advisors are starting to embrace this concept of podcasting. And the beautiful thing about these live events is you can take ad extracts, little segments, one idea. So here we are doing a one-hour podcast. You know, you had a couple of aspects of gold that you talked about for five minutes. That should be extracted and, and not just even 
visually and verbally, but even converted and transcribed to text, that can go into social media to stir the pot and keep things moving. I'm curious, the whole, do you know, have you talked to advisors that do the AMA, the Ask Me Anything event where they'll invite clients or family members to to either email or text or call in with questions? Is that is that getting hold? Because people have been asking me about that. Yeah. So one of my favorite ideas to come out of the pandemic that, again, it positions you and your team as a resource for the people important to your clients. And those people get access because they're tied to your existing clients. So it feels special, right? And this might not be something that you do for all of your clients, but select clients. One of our teams in Michigan, they crafted and started marketing this new resource of the 20-minute Ask Anything session. So it's a 20-minute time block that their clients can give to friends and family. And when they position it to their clients, they actually broke it down into four different areas that go beyond money. And they gave examples of anybody on the podcast is interested in that script, uh, reach out to your first choice wholesaler. They can get you uh, access to that. But what they found was 20 minutes Setting people's expectations of time was very important, not just to protect the team's time, but for these affluent, busy individuals that are in our clients' personal professional networks, 20 minutes also says you're going to protect their time. All right, 20 minutes, let me see if you can help me, right? They're not walking into like a timeshare pitch uh, or some seminar that's going to be an hour long, right? They don't need you to buy them a steak. 20 minutes of time and ask anything, just ask me anything. It says agenda is yours. This isn't my agenda. It's not what I'm looking to get out of it. It's what is going to have the highest use of my time and my expertise that adds value for you. So just like to ask me anything, which I'm curious if you've talked to advisors about this also, it seems like you definitely have. It's, it's amazing giving your time as the resource. Well, I've got advisors that have attended and recipients of like AMAs uh, for crypto or various themes. And so they've come to me and said, should I do this? And we talk about the pros and cons. And so I'm just curious if this is sort of uh, the next frontier, but everything we've talked about here is wrapped around this notion. I mean, you go right to Maslow's hierarchy, right in the center is belonging. When it's noisy and anxious and uncertain in the world, People want to know where their safe haven is. Where is my safe harbor? Where do I belong? And am I safe? And uh, so, so this type of array of ideas and initiatives, and again, you've got to be at peace with cause and effect. It's not that they have to consume it word for word. Sometimes I get, I've got a friend who's a, just an unbelievable banker. And I mean, honestly, those two words don't generally go together. Unbelievable banker. And when I say unbelievable, I mean, the guy's a rock star. But he texts me on a very regular basis with ideas and checking in and things like that. And I don't respond to all of them. But just that moment when I get it, it triggers a moment of appreciation for that relationship. So just be at peace. They receive it and maybe they'll consume it. You can't control that, but what you can control is the consistency of activity that goes beyond your technical ability. And Jackie, let's just, you know, I mean, the, the benefits are pretty self-evident, right? I mean, competitor proofing, countering loyalty fatigue, rejuvenating relationships, getting out in front of money in motion, advocacy, personal fulfillment. I mean, on it goes, but somebody might be listening to this and go, man, this sounds good, but it sounds like work. I mean, any thoughts on that? Gosh, you know, human behavior is an interesting thing, right? Typically, as humans, we only change if we're moving towards pleasure or away from pain. So I guess the first step is do an audit on your existing business. Have a check-in with yourself and with your team, right? Open up the lines of communication uh, and assess. Where are we at? If you look at the top, 20% of your clients, are most of them over 70 years old? Gosh, maybe we should be prioritizing that family phone call. Take a look at the top 20% of your clients. Do we have an emerging niche? Do we have some clients that might be experiencing a liquidity event in the next 
five, 10 years? How do we focus on delivering more content relevant to them? So to your point, nothing that we talk about is on trial. It's proven, but it's up to the advisor to take a step back now and identify how does this make sense, either adding value, creating a new opportunity, giving you a, a next step for your unique business, because everyone's got different goals. That's the beauty of this industry. There's no one size fits all solution. So that would be my answer, but I'd be curious to hear yours. Oh, I completely agree. And I, I think back to the shredding thing, the key is uh, don't dabble. Don't don't sort of go at this as a campaign where I'll take a stab at it and hope for the best. There's got to be complete buy-in that this is going to be well-received. And it's not optional going forward to decommoditize and amplify fee worthiness. The one thing, and you and I talked about this a little bit in our pre-call leading up to this, what I did not fully understand is that driving enterprise value can actually be enhanced by having second and third generation clients. Was that something you were aware of? For I mean, where did that come from? I'm so glad you brought this up. I forgot that we, we had talked about this. So I was in a presentation and please forgive me, I don't remember what the exact number was, but it was fascinating. It was a, a group, a law group that handles M&A for financial professionals and teams. And they had a measuring stick of how different things in your business add incremental value to the overall value you might get in a succession or in a sale. And it included technology, it included having processes in place, you know, how easy is it for someone to come in, you're not at risk of maverick talent. But one of the things was having a multi-generational client base makes your practice so much more valuable in succession. Then if you only have a book of 80-year-old clients, right? Uh, who wants to buy a book of 80-year-old clients? Because if something happens to them while it's transferred, I don't know the kids, those assets are probably going to leave. So that's also very important. Diversify generationally, because even if you're, you're on the horizon of succession or you're decades away, it's essential to growth and it's also essential to success down the road. Okay. Well, I don't know if you... No, no, that's really solid. And I'm not sure if you captured much from that event. Uh, that might sounds like a, a LinkedIn post at a minimum or to go into insights and innovations. And just everybody listening, next steps, connect with Jackie on LinkedIn, an essential follow, number one, number two, and they can probably contact you directly to ask for information, but they could also reach out to the First Trust Wholesaler to get access to some of the proven strategies that you've got. Yep. So your first trust wholesaler is the place to start as part of our process, being a one woman show uh, on the road and virtual. Your first trust wholesaler is always your first resource because it might not be my area of expertise that would align with what your goals are or what you're working on. So they'll help to point you in the right direction for the different resources that we have available at first trust. Okay. Well, listen, exceptional job. The only downside is we covered about 30% of my notes and some of the information that you and I have thrown around. So that just is going to mean another podcast down the road, but this was exceptional. You covered a lot of ground, very actionable. And uh, I look forward to continually interacting with you on LinkedIn, hopefully cross paths out in the actual world at some point. But uh, I just want to say thank you very much for everything you're doing in the industry. Your reputation is strengthening every single month. I mean, the feedback I get is very, very solid. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Might have been my, my hidden agenda to have to get asked back because there's so much more to talk about. But really appreciate everything that you've done for the advisors in our industry, uh, all your thought leadership and expertise. It's really laid an incredible path for folks like me that are coming up in it. So it's a pleasure to be on. It's so fun to engage with you on multiple platforms. And again, hopefully we'll be able to do a co-presentation coming to a city near you sometime soon. But thank you so much. I love the new podcast for anyone that's listening. Like it, subscribe to it. There is so much incredible content. The guests that you're having on it, I mean, I'm learning so much listening to it. So I love that you're putting it out there. I really enjoy it too. And as we say in the podcast and YouTube sphere, smash that like button. Smash it. <laughs> smash it again. Tell your friends to go smash it. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie Wilkie, appreciate your time. I know you're busy. All the very best. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Duncan. Bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more.